This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 157, and we're recording on Sunday, May 15th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Amanda Nelson. We're coming to you from bookriot.com, and we're both like a little sluggish, a little Mm -hmm. hoarse, a little BEA hangover happening here. Uh, yeah. Not even alcohol-induced, at least for me. I, I, I don't no. want to speak for you. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> not so much. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Well, yeah. I'm glad it's not a uh, alcohol hangover on top of the sort of travel, talking, socializing <laughs> stuff hangover. So we're not going to do a bunch of stories today. We're just going to talk about what we saw, what we heard, uh, what went on at BEA this week. Before we get started, I wanna, before we get started let's thank our first sponsor. It's PRH Audio, Penguin Random House Audio. Um, and they're doing a promotion for... Really, it's it's spring into summertime. Uh, May is really for North America. Your average May day is the best average month day of any month of the year for weather. It's just the best. May and October, as my dad said back in Kansas, was true in Chicago. Uh, certainly true in New York. Very true here in Portland. I don't know about Richmond. What's the best months in Richmond? May and October. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in these sort of temperate climates, so a lot of us are getting out and about a little bit more. And Penguin Random House Audio wants you to remember that you can go that extra mile. You know, I've definitely had this experience. If you're listening to an audio that's great, that you stay out a little bit longer. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll give yourself permission to go a little bit longer, a little bit harder. Also, a little extra motivation if you have something you really like to listen to on your audiobook to go out there to the gym, to run the trail, to run the sidewalk, to run the track. So you go to tryaudiobooks.com slash fitness and you can get a free download. You know, they success a suspenseful thrill, thriller where you really want to know what happens next. Um, or something that might be related to health or food or wellness of that, something like that. Um, or maybe something about diet and eating. Um, any of those things are ideas to help you get out there and meet your fitness goals uh, and sort of, I guess, hack your book-loving life to, to prop up your, your reading life a little bit too. So that's... Um, Try audiobooks.com slash fitness. Free download. Try to check on audiobook there. All right. Well, so it was BEA Chicago this year. It hasn't been yeah. out of New York for several years. Um, and there was a lot of questions going in. How it would be? How it would feel? Uh, what were your impressions? It was smaller yeah. than usual for understandable reasons. A lot of publishers didn't want to spend the money sending people when usually they can just go down the street <laughs> to yeah, right. Javits. Um, but I'm sure the expense was crazy. But I kind of preferred it mm. to the big giant show because, you know, the big giant show in Javits is such a – well, I can't say what it is because it's yes. a curse word. But it's like really overwhelming and mm. – I don't know. Lots of people, right. And horrible. But I felt like this was people who, the people who spent the money to come to Chicago wanted to be there. Like they were doing Mm. it because they wanted to get stuff done. So it felt more productive and less overwhelming to me. You were sort of drive-by people there, you mean? Like just because the whole industry is there. Let's not send uh, marketing existence uh, A through Z. We'll just send them A through B or, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, It was definitely smaller. I mean – I, I was doing a little head count, and we said on a previous show that HMH wasn't going to go, and indeed they were not there. Um, I didn't notice other publishers that I recognize not being there. Did, was there anyone that you were expected to see that that, that you missed? I don't think so, um, but I don't. I'm not great at like yeah, I'm not either. And knowing who is with what publisher, so I mean, all of the the big ones, most Save of the big HMH, ones, yeah, 
Yeah, except for HMH had their normal large booths with the squishy carpet. So. Though PRH, uh, Penguin Random House, their booth was way off to the right, and it did feel smaller. Now, I don't know if that's because it wasn't right in the center of the action. Um, but I think it they felt put like it off to smaller. the side because they had all those huge, they had like huge signings that they were not doing in the oh, autograph area. They were doing them in right. the booth for reasons that make literally no sense to me. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it felt like a crowd control thing, but who even knows? Yeah, that's right. Because they had sort of four signing, uh, I guess, podium basically, one in each corner yeah. of their area, and you could do a long line around them. They also, though they didn't have a, as huge a booth, they also had that Read Brightly truck. That that's a PRH yeah. project for our kids' books in middle grade. Uh, a whole like s- sort of small school bus turned into a, a display there. Um, this, I guess Melville House I think sometimes has a booth at BEA. They weren't oh, there. Yeah, they weren't there. Yeah. Um, no. Gray Wolf was there. Which Gray is Wolf nice. was there. I'm sure was it was nice. easier for them. Yeah, sure, because they're uh, Minneapolis based. Uh, Source Books um, was the, is the largest Chicago publisher, and they had a, a, a very large booth and a very fancy party that we got to go to for a minute at the top of the giant Hancock so building. So fancy. <laughs> very fancy. Uh, where I, I saw, was talking to, oh, go ahead. I was talking to Jen, who's our events director and mm-hmm. used to uh, work at Word in an independent bookstore about um, that party. And she said it felt very much like either a big five party, yeah. like with the money that a Penguin Random House would have, like pre-recession, mm-hmm. big five. Party. There was an open bar and there was a full dinner buffet. And of course it was at the top of this really fancy building. Could not have been inexpensive I, to rent out the whole observation not. deck of the John Hancock Tower. I was like, who is their best-selling author? Like who owns them? How do they have the money to I've do this? I've heard they've been and doing never... very well um, Good, of, of late. Um, I also say they do spend some money with us uh, for advertising as well, just in interest, full disclosure. But it was a very fancy party. Though I, I also think that if you're ever going to have a big fancy party, you never you don't know that BA ever, is ever coming back to Chicago. So you kind of, you know, if you're going to blow it out ever, this would be the time to do it. Um, one of the people I know there, I guess, was semi in charge of picking the location uh, and, you know, really having a big party and sort of getting behind it. And it was so cloudy in the first couple of days we were there that they were freaking out, right? Because you rent the top of the John Hancock Tower. You don't want to see like gray out the windows. And the mm-hmm. day of it kind of cleared up. So I'm glad for them. Um, that was a big. So they were. They had a big presence there. Um, Workman, which is not a top, which is not one of the big five, but still a large publisher. They do Algonquin and a lot of uh, a lot of other titles. Had a big booth there. Harlequin, I think they, they seemed calmer. Did that? The, I didn't see a huge romance signing lines a lot of the time. I don't know if that's was just when I was walking by there, but I remember the years past. And I was- when I was walking by, I weren't for any of the romance authors. Yeah, really I don't. I don't even remember the romance components. authors being there. Yeah, they're they're teen um, and some of the other things going on there. That's one thing that I noticed as well. Um, on the whole, like the celebrity part was, I think, tamped down. There weren't as mm-hmm. many big time celebrities. Um, I'm trying to think. I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. He has a book coming out. Christy Yamaguchi was at the Sourcebook party. She has a a book coming out. Um, like Magic Johnson has a book coming out. He wasn't there. They were giving away Magic Johnson stuff. Amy Schumer has a book coming out. She wasn't there. I and, and years past in New York, I feel like those kinds of people would have been there. I don't know if I'm right about that yeah. or wrong about that. Does that does that seem right to you? <clears throat> well, I ran into Jamie Lee Curtis in the bathroom. Oh, okay. Well, she was. And she there. wasn't wearing any shoes, which was weird. Wasn't wearing any shoes in a bathroom. <laughs> It was a little strange. She looked flustered and confused, and her handlers were, like, holding her shoes, so I don't know what was going on there. But it was very one of those moments where you walk by a famous person out of a context that you're not expecting, and you're just like, wait, Yeah, what? even with her shoes on, it's surprising. Why are you in this bathroom right, right now? But she was signing something. Um, I think a lot of the celebrities were saved for BookCon and not yeah. necessarily yeah. BEA. Um, so that might have been That's probably thing. one of it. Of, of the 
and those are crossover celebrities that transcend the book world. There were plenty of book world celebrities there on the show floor the days we were there. We Neither of us were there for BookCon, we should say. Mm-hmm. Um, the reports are that BookCon had about the same attendance as last year in New York. Um, that's that's what Publishers Weekly themselves reported that, and they're the house organ, like they give away a daily thing at BEA. So that I, I'd sort of take that with a grain of salt. You know, I, I would say that's on the generous side of all the estimations you hear there. Um, big lines for Jonathan Saffron Fowler's new book. He was there signing Here I Am. A good sport. Uh, stayed way past his hour, uh, as did a lot of the authors, I should say. Often, mm-hmm. often they stayed way past. I know Colson Whitehead stayed way past. I heard Richard Russo stayed way past. He was there for a while. Um, Colson Whitehead was signing the Underground Railroad. Uh, other big lines. Uh, I saw a huge Nicholas Spark uh, line, Sparks <laughs> line for uh, a walk to the beach, to the the last walk on the beach, whatever you know. That's I'm just sort of Maybe doing whatever. a Nicholas, Nicholas Spark title generation generator out of my mouth there. Whatever his next one is there. Um, there was a big line for George Saunders. Yes. Um, and I cannot remember for the I life. I tried of to me. get in that line. I tried to too, but and then I was in a meeting and I came out late and it was a disaster. Yes, yeah, same. Um, what, uh, do you see any other lines that struck you as people that had big lines there? Ransom Riggs was oh. signing a, a chat book of, uh, of uh, I guess, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children's Again turned into a graphic novel. Yeah. Um, so there's a big line uh, for Justin that. Justin Cronin's line was immense. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. I, I, was, I stood uh, in that line. You stood I in mean, that? You did? Yeah. Did you, you, so I you got one. Yeah, I got it. I got it signed. Okay. I, because I, I have – I wasn't a big fan of the second one, and mm. uh, but I have all – the first and the second one, and I have them signed, and they're in galley form, and so I have this weird neurotic uh, yeah. thing. Like I needed it, even though well, I don't. You've been this far on the journey, right? That's like right? getting to Mordor just, and just like throwing the ring in the river. I don't even understand. Get all the way up there, throw it in. Um, Sabatier's line was bananas. Oh, I wanted to see that. I though, that day, I think that was the day I had meetings most of the day, so I wasn't running around that much. And that the, a torch against the night is that the name of yeah, that book? Yeah, yeah, the se- sequel for Ember in the Ashes. I'm amazed they were giving away the actual galley. I yeah. thought they were. I, I think I told of, you three times they were giving it away, and you didn't believe me each time. You're like, they're no, not. I was like, I said, it was can't. in Publishers Weekly, and there's a huge freaking song. <laughs> you still, it was, was, so, it was just funny that you. you well, but with Lainey Taylor has a new book coming out, and she's yeah. just, you know, she's a bigger name than mm-hmm. Sabatier, and they were giving out just a galley. I mean, not a galley, but a chapbook. Yeah, and then Veronica Roth's line was understandably giant, yeah. huge. Carve the mark. Her the, mark. Uh, the first oh. of a duology coming out in January. And that was just a sample. Yeah. Um, Tara Mafi's line was really long. Mm-hmm. All the you know the big YA names had really, really right. Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see um, some of those. A big. I saw a big line for uh, the Squirrel Girl novel. Uh, yes. Shannon Hale was there. So, I almost yeah. got in that line, but I was on my way to something, and it was. It was I love too. Squirrel Girl. Do you read that comic? I, I don't. I haven't gotten into it yet. I, I really want to. I, I don't even know if there are trades out. You know, I'm a trade reader in comics, so I, I need to be at least one oh, volume yeah. of trades. The first one, I read. I read Squirrel Girl in trade, and the first. I, I one figured is, it must be because it's been long enough since I heard. I've heard of it and was interested in it that it must be in trade. I just haven't tracked one down from my library. It's yet. Really great. Library trade is is has rekindled my comics reading. Um, nice. There's something about buying trade and paying money for it and being done in like 40 minutes that I don't like. Um, I'm not a value reader, really. You know, it's not something I really think about too much. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, if I want to buy something, I buy it. But something about buying a trade collection uh, for $17 and being done 30 minutes, that I don't like that. But the library, <laughs> I am all about that. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, for that. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Um, so the big – yeah, the, um, I didn't see the the line for home going, but I saw a lot of people had a lot of our contributors were there, and almost yeah. everyone had stood in line or had gotten 
um, a copy of Homegoing. I'm very excited to read that. Um, I heard nothing but great things about it so far. They were giving away the hardcover. Yeah, the finished copy. It comes out soon. It comes out in August. Mm -hmm. Um, The Saunders, and I can't remember the name of it, it doesn't come out till February, and they were giving out galleys. That was the one. You know, was it, I think last year was Queen of the Night they were giving out that was like still... 10 months away almost um yeah that was it was a full yeah i got a galley at bea last year and it just came out february yeah right so that's that's one always to look for and uh liberty's read uh, the new saunders and says and she was talking to me about it for a few minutes and almost got me to break my um embargo on uh uh, on really uh you know pre-pub reading Um, of course she has already read it of course she's read it yeah probably is probably she has a um a hard line into Saunders' laptop, <laughs> kind of like Lisbeth Salander, right? As soon as the sentence was oh, done, yeah. she was reading it. Well, um, she's smart enough. Yeah, she is. So, we, so we a lot of our, a lot of our uh, friends and coworkers from Book Writer Contributors there, Liberty and Rebecca, and Rebecca's traveling today. She'll be back next week for the show. So Amanda and I get to do the froggy voiced uh, hungover duty. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, the the other. Th- so BE will be in New York last year. A couple of stats, just that Publishers Weekly themselves reported in the official whole BEA publication. So take these with a grain of salt. Um, that overall attendance for the BEA itself was about was down about 20% um, from last wow. year in New York. Um, the number of people from the Midwest was up 65%, which you would expect. Right. Um, so I don't know. We've heard rumors. I don't know if you've heard these rumors that it might be in LA, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, in 2018, I, I cannot confirm that, um, nor deny, because that's the only that thing fun. I've heard. It. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know why. Why would you do that? Uh, I don't know. I've never been to Vegas. Neither have the, I. Neither have I. That would be different. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's a if it's a continuing effort to cut costs to get out of New York, which is uh, has always been horribly expensive and is only more expensive as time goes on, um, or if they're trying to get move it around for demographic, you know, get different kinds of people there, more West Coast people move around that way. So that's what's going on at BEA. Yeah, I'd say that the the, the general tone, um, sometimes I like to be, play the body and nonverbal language doctor about the state of the North American <laughs> publishing industry. And especially, I talked to a lot of, both you and I probably had more meetings than we've ever had before uh, oh, at this yeah. BEA. Was... Um, so we talked to a lot of people. You were doing mostly publicity. I was doing mostly marketing and sales. Um and I'd say I'd say it's it's pretty smooth sailing in the book world right now. What is that your is that your sort of sense too? Yeah, I didn't. Nobody had any like horror stories. Or, yeah, um, we have no budget to print ARCs. We have no budget to do mm-hmm. this. That you know, I didn't hear any of that this yeah. year. It was all. It, it there, pretty helpful. There's no irrational exuberance, but it <laughs> feels like the industry, at least you know, for where we sit uh, on on the sort of uh, circumference of the industry, uh, seems to be in a pretty good spot. Um, mm. I know that, you know, one thing that helps the big five publishers, which are, you know, largely North American is the dollar is very strong. Um, so a lot of their business that's done in North America, especially as some of them are owned by European countries, uh, European companies, excuse me, when they report over, um, you know, and they, they're selling in dollars, which are up like 10, 12% versus a lot of the European currencies. So you can make a lot more money just that way. So um, I heard a lot about focusing on North America. Uh, audiobooks, very strong. A lot of interest in, in advertising audiobooks and imprints specifically, um, which I thought, you know, is telling. There's 37, 37% year-over-year growth in sales for audiobooks would would lead people to say, hey, maybe we should submit about that. Uh a related note in terms of trends is seeing it on the show floor. A lot more coloring books out on the show floor this year. Yeah, I would say um, a couple of huge, 
a huge displays. Uh, not not huge, very very like large entire displays. booths. Booths yeah. dedicated to yeah. Clint. Clint, uh, our COO of, of, of Book Riot, was there, um, and he was walking around talking to some of the people. And he asked, like, oh, are you guys new? Uh, you know, because they have this huge new thing. With Are you a new company that's doing this, this coloring book fad? And like, no, we've been around for 15 years. Um, <laughs> but their fortunes seem to have changed considerably with um, the the sudden and meteoric rise of, of coloring books as a presence in the, the book industry. Um, I don't, I, I didn't ask, I, I don't know if that's flagging. I don't know what the sales are like. Um, I follow a little bit on Bookskin, the, the top, the bestsellers and the Harry Potter coloring book is the second bestselling book of the year so far. Um, <laughs> according to Bookskin, only yeah. behind only when breath becomes air, um, which is doing phenomenal. Both have sold according to Bookskin. They've reported about a quarter million in sales and that, you know, that doesn't include Amazon or ebook. So take that for what you will. Um, but definitely saw coloring books on there. A whole lot of YA around. I felt like I saw more comics and graphic novels around too. Um, not just in booths, yeah, but also, the... but also in the publishers were doing stuff around comics and graphic novels. Oh, interesting. Um, I saw. You know, I stood in Marjorie Lou's line. Oh, did um, you? I didn't know that you did that. Yeah. yeah I just wanted to see her face. Like mm. I had no real. <laughs> yeah, right. I, she was signing uh, monstrous posters, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. ship that back to my house. I don't. Whatever. Yeah, but I yeah. took one because I didn't want to just be like, "Hi." I just wanted to literally look. Yeah, at yeah you. I just want to gawk at you. And so, but I was really surprised. Like last year, they had a comic book row, and Image had a big booth, mm. and I didn't. Image I had a booth they did this year. Signing. I saw Image. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's where she was signing because oh, 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 oh. monstrous is her big comic that she's got with them, which is amazing and everyone should read it mm. um and anyway she is a perfect looking human specimen like a little brown fairy it's dizzying to look at but her line <laughs> went they had to like control it because it went past a b- bunch of other mm-hmm. the, com- the comics booths and i hadn't seen that that didn't happen at all last year so comics are yeah they're having a, a moment yeah. a resurgence yeah and, and a lot of them integrated like um Quirk was doing some graphic novels uh we met with candlewick they're doing some graphic novels um uh, Crown um, was doing some graphic novel stuff. So it, it really, it's not, it, it doesn't seem to be that the, at least from, you know, the, the position where I, the perspective where I have that um, the, the graphic novel, the literary graphic novel, like crossover is coming outside in, like from boom or image into the mainstream of the, the trade industry. It's more the trade industry co-opting graphic, you know, integrating them mm-hmm. and, and incorporating graphic novels into their, into their lines, which is interesting. Um, I wasn't sure how that would happen necessarily. It makes sense because, you know, they have the existing distribution channels to independent bookstores and to Barnes and Noble and other and Costco and Target and things like that, where um, boom and image are a much smaller outfits um, and I can imagine the logistics and making the deals, that sort of thing is much more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. It's sometimes hard to, it's hard to remember that the, the sort of the, the, the business channel part of this industry is really meaningful. And the people that control those um, different kinds of gates, so there's a lot of gatekeeping around editorial, but the gatekeeping around distribution is also, um, if, if not as maybe even more important and intransigent than, than on the editorial side. Uh, let's do our next sponsor. Oh, oh go ahead. No, I was, I was going to go down a rabbit hole. Oh, let's go. Well, let's, can we save the rabbit hole for just a yes, second? Yes, by all means. Let's, yeah. talk, <laughs> let's talk about our next sponsor. It's The Square Root of Summer. The Square Root of Summer. And it's a, it's a YA novel by Harriet Reuter Hapgood. So here's the deal. Um, the, the main character, her name is Gotti H. Oppenheimer, and she's 17. She's, she's motherless, and she's a math genius, but she is losing time. 
Um, the fabric of the seaside, uh, this, the fabric of the universe surrounding her seaside and sleepy town is begins to fray. And she starts to go in sort of time traveling in wormholes to her past. So to last summer, to uh, a former love, uh, a day, uh, a day one about something happened with a childhood friend. I don't want to spoil it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's sort of, it's a romance. It's about physics. It's about time travel. It's about growing up and doing it again and again and re-experience those moments that you've had before. Um, a good summer read for those of you who are looking for stuff to read this summer and with a little little side of nerdy um, and time <laughs> travel on the side. I don't know about too many YA time traveling books. I'm sure Kelly could do um, a, a dissertation on because she can do a dissertation on all YA subgenres. But this is The Square Root of Summer by Harriet Reuter Hapgood. Uh, it's out now. came out May 3rd. Um, so you don't even have to travel in time to get it. You can, you can get it right now. Thanks so much well to them for sponsoring the show. Um, my B game today, but I'm, I'm making an effort. Um, what, 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 uh, what, uh, rabbit hole shall we proceed down? Oh, I was going to say that in my meetings, I noticed that the publicists were way more aware of diversity and like purposefully pitching oh, us books. Yes. Excellent yeah. point. Did you notice the same I thing? I did. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, it was yes. really nice. And I don't know if it was us specifically or, you know, as book right, because we talk about this all the time, or if it was just a thing that they were doing mm-hmm. to everybody. But either way, it was really great and nice to know that the industry, which notoriously does not care about this, has been like actually paying attention and yeah. listening to what we've been saying. And um, Rebecca and I and Swapna and Kelly for a couple of months, we're tracking the um, diversity of the advanced review copies that we were getting in the mail. And it was horror. It was like, I think mine ended up being about 8% of the the, the galleys that I'm sent mm-hmm. by publishers or by people of color. Swapna specifically asks for them. And she, hers was only also only about 10%. Rebecca's mm. was like 3%. It was ridiculous. So for them to actually be paying attention to it and purposefully pitching us books, um, by people of color and by LGBTQ writers, which is really nice. It was nice to see. Yeah, I had that happen a couple times, too, um, when I was going through catalogs and looking for titles and that we might want to pitch advertisers on that would be especially good fits for us. Uh, Several mentioned, you know, um, both racial but also gender identity and Mm -hmm. the whole range of things that... um, Oh, yeah, I got tons of pitches for transgender authors, which was really great. Yeah. one publicist uh, at a publisher, she's a friend of mine and a publisher that I really like, um, asked me, you you don't read dudes, right? So I can just like skip all these books. And I was like, no, I just, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's I somebody else here. Yeah, that, right. but, yeah. No, I do read. It's fine. Um, not usually, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, um, it was that's nice to know that like our reputation was kind of preceding us there. Yeah, so. I was, I was pleased about that as well. Um, because, you know, if you listen to this show, you know that's something we care about. Uh, you've probably even left a one-star review about it. Not that <laughs> um, I was going to say, in terms, you know, another thing I like to take a look at is uh, the the ads there. Mm-hmm. You know, what books are being, not just have huge signing lines, but which the publishers can buy these huge banners that hang over mostly the lobby. Um, yeah. I don't think there are banners actually on the show floor. Um, but on the lobby, there's there's a bunch of banners, and just a couple of the ones um, we mentioned: um, "A Torch Against the Night" by Sabatier. What's the name of the the Lanny Taylor book? Do you remember? It's I can I can see the cover. It's it's blue and gold. Uh, I, I can't know. remember the name of it. I um, love YA, but the titles can kind of run. Yeah, together. they kind of yeah. Uh, uh, so that that one's there. Um, let's see. Oh, Jerusalem by Alan Moore. Oh my gosh, I, this, this book is crazy. <laughs> um, uh, Norton Livewright had a huge banner uh, along the escalators for Jerusalem, which is coming out, I believe, this fall. I think in September, his twelve hundred page opus that he's been working on for ten years. 
Strange um, the Dream. That's what the Lillian Taylor book is called. Okay, Strange the Dream? The Dreamer. Strange, Strange the, the Dreamer. Dreamer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I can see why that didn't <laughs> stick in my brain. No hook for that. Um, but for Jerusalem, and um, I have to say we were having a few minutes uh, together. Um, uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack from HPA Alliance had, had a galley, and we were looking at it. And I, all, I, I would say we were all both intrigued and befuddled by the, the glimpses we saw of the book. Um, yeah. and it, still it's, don't really know what it's, it's about. It's in this matte black arc form with just like gold lettering. It's very tomic. You know, it's like if someone put the monolith from 2001, a space odyssey in book form, this is basically what you would get. Um, so that was one. Uh, let's see. There was, um, there's a new, uh, Jennifer Weiner, uh, middle grade book coming out. The littlest Bigfoot, I believe it was called. Um, let's see. Uh, dark matters by Blake Crouch from crown. There was a big one for that. Uh, there was um, oh I, th- I I had them all lined up. Um, Lauren Oliver's Ashes. replica book, which is apparently I don't know it's one of these books where you can read forward and backward like it's print like each page is printed. I don't know like it's this inter interleaved book. There's two stories that go together, but it's printed bizarrely. I I don't know. I, I felt think- like I needed to know origami to to figure it out. Um, <laughs> So that one was there as well. Um, Ashes, the final book in Lori Hulse Anderson's um, Seeds of America series, uh, had had a had a placard. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, there was ads for City of Mirrors in Publishers Weekly for the Saunders. There was ads. Um, you know, it, it was a really interesting time to to see. It felt it felt a little bit like. Uh, I don't know. It felt a little bit maybe it's because it also wasn't in New York, and so sh- Chicago it was a be- is a beautiful town, also not as big and crazy in New York. It just felt like diet BEA to me a little bit, yeah. which is not bad necessarily. Just a little bit of diet BEA, um, but I, but I think you know there's a lot of good books coming out. Um, there what there's not like a, I guess oh Stephen King had an, there was an ad for the Stephen King which comes out next week. Um, I took right? home more End of books. Watch. I was going to ask you what what did you take home? I took um, home a few things myself. I usually don't. I usually, I, you know, n- the first nor, year you nor, go nor a little crazy, yeah, and then after that I'm like I'll just get it on Edelweiss. But yeah, <clears throat> I took home a big giant stack. Um, I get, from Algonquin. There's a Natural History of Cannibalism coming out by Bill. Oh, Shute we talked about like, that a little bit, right? I'm like obsessed with the fact that this book exists, but I'm really <laughs> sad that Mary Roach didn't write it. But yes, you know. yes, yes, yes. Um, whatever. I'm gonna read that like a mofo. Uh-huh. Um, a new biography of Victoria, Queen Victoria. By Julia Bard. Oh, I was in a Grey Wolf meeting, and they gave me a book called Riverine um, hmm. by Angela Palm. That it's like a it's a memoir about a woman who grows up in a very small town, falls in love with the boy next door. They have this really sweet teen like love, and then he murders their neighbors. Oh lord! Just nowhere near where I expected that pitch to go, <laughs> or wow. the synopsis of that book. But I'm like so here for that. Uh, Emer McBride has a new book coming yes. out. Yes, I is called The Lesser Bohemians. Uh, she wrote The Girl Is a Half Form Thing. If you didn't write that, which won uh, the Giller? All... Which won the Giller Prize? I think. Yes. Well, you got yeah. a galley of that. Is what I you're did. saying? Oh, I did. Oh, I didn't know they were there. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't either. Cause uh, Cassandra Nice, our contributor, had one, ah. uh, and I saw that she had it, and I was like, "Where did you get that?" She gave it to me because she's so nice. That's um, very nice. What else did I take? I have. I'm looking at my Instagram. 
Instagram oh, picture. So you mentioned that Cassandra gave you the galley, but you don't mention that I gave you the, the Victoria bar. It's cool. I, I'm so, you it's, didn't it's, ask it's, me where I got the Victoria. You asked me specifically. No, I mean, where. you volunteered that Cassandra gave you that. Uh, I mean, well, Jeff picked me up that biography. Oh, you're too kind. You didn't have to say anything. From the booth, which was very nice, and I brought it home. Well, I shipped it home. It's there, yeah, not right. yet. I put it in FedEx. Um, there's a new biography of Shirley Jackson by Ruth Franklin coming from Liverite, which I'm really excited about. That's very interesting. Um, what I took home that I had not previously heard about was an, a nonfiction work called Blood at the Root by Patrick Phillips um, hmm. from Norton. Have you heard about this? No. It's, a, it's about a guy who grew up in an in all-white town in the 70s in the south in North Carolina. I don't remember. I don't, anyway, it's One in the South. One of the south. Carolinas, yeah. Yeah, and um, a couple of white women, right after segregation, a couple of white women were really brutally murdered, and the town rounded up and lynched, of course, um, the mm-hmm. black men that they expected suspected of the crime. But not only did they, they didn't stop there, they ran all of the black people in the town out of town. Um, and so, like, houses were abandoned, businesses were abandoned. They took over their homes and their businesses and wow. all their property. The town stayed all white until the 80s. Like, like what? And they wow. have like signs throughout the town that are like, keep whatever the t- name of the town is white. And I've just never heard anything about this. Anyway, um, so the man who wrote it, Patrick Phillips, grew up in this town and he was having a conversation about race with a poet, uh, a woman of color who told him, you know, I get so tired of having to talk about this. Why don't you ever talk about this? Mm. You know, he's like, that's a great point. And so he wrote a book about it. Um, anyway, so that sounded really interesting. Blood at the Root is the name of that one. Uh, and then I picked up Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad and, oh, The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Oh, I'm excited about that one. I've heard yeah, good that things. Yeah, really graphic cover that's really cool. I hadn't heard anything about it, but when I was standing in line for Justin Cronin, one of the publicists, um, uh, Stefan Moorhead from Penguin Random House, mm-hmm. just walked up to me and started telling me about it, and it sounded really interesting, so I took it. And then it turns out it's like everyone's really excited about this book, and I just had somehow never um, never heard about it. So that's pretty much it. I took home some romances from source books that they mm-hmm. thought would be good fits for our audience so i'll read through those because i love romance. you know a couple of things i was hoping i might see and maybe they were there and i just missed them um another brooklyn by jackie woodson which comes out in august i thought i might see I those there didn't see that oh uh, mm. that wasn't there um the um the known and strange teju cole's book uh that's apparently about uh photography which is coming out in august from random house paperbacks i was hoping i might see that one um, let's see, there was another one. Oh, you know, another book that had a big line and, uh, our friend Greg Zimmerman, who, who is a, a book riot, um, compatriot was talking about the Knicks by Nathan Hill, which, mm-hmm. um, this is a debut novel. It's supposed to be really great. Uh, he actually chose, he's, he's read that and actually chose to stand in that line versus the Saunders line, which for Greg, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, who, who reads, you know, all, almost all the literary fiction you've heard of. Uh, that's that's a sign of a certain kind of uh, recommendation there. There's a huge mm-hmm. line for Leave Me by Gail Foreman. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's her first, her first adult. adult novel uh, for Algonquin. There's a big line for that. Um, let's see. There were there were, uh, were galleys. I didn't see one. I don't know if you saw one for The Rules of Civility by Amor Towels, uh, which is coming out. I saw some of those wandering around. Um, Heartless by Mercy. Is Mercen. it a sequel? Uh, I don't think it's a sequel. No. I don't okay. think so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, also, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Commonwealth by Ann Patchett. There were galleys floating around for that one. Um, darn it. What was the other one I was going to say? Oh, Heartless by Mercer Mayer. Uh, yeah. there were oh, galleys. they did a signing for that. They did a signing, which is a huge yeah. – I think we lumped that into the huge YA lines. But that's uh, – even among the huge, huge YA lines, that was a big. that's a big one. Um, I thought, oh, there were galleys for Wart by Lev Grossman, which apparently is a re-release of his first book. Have you, hmm. did you know that? 
Um, no, anyway, I he saw was when he, they were yeah, dropping the galleys. But. He was there uh, for that. Um, yeah, replica. Yeah, by all, Lauren Oliver. That was there. I'm trying to see what else. I, I wrote a bunch of notes here. I see what else is worth talking about. Um, uh, Moon Glow by Michael Shaban is coming out in November. I didn't see any of those. Um, Fate of the Chilling by Erica Johansson is also coming out in November from Harper. I didn't see any of those. I thought I might. Um, I knew if they they had those there, you would have gotten one by Hook or by Crook. I would have, yes. Um, yes. A couple things I the couple <laughs> I things read. I picked up just kind of randomly. Uh, I picked up um, this book called um, da, 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 I'm trying to remember right now. Little Deaths by Emma Flint. It's coming out from Hachette. Um, it's a it's a debut novel by a British woman who got super into tr- real life crime, like true crime stories, mm-hmm. but then decided to write a crime novel based on her research into true crime. I don't know. I read a page. I thought it was interesting. I'll probably <laughs> give it away um, and then read it later. Uh, I also picked up, and I can't remember the name of it, Alice Hoffman's new book that's coming out. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, I was hoping to get Hagseed, which is Margaret Atwood's new book, which is her redo of The Tempest. Um, that's those in that series of um, uh, from Hogarth of Shakespeare retellings. Um, that's coming out in October, so I thought there would be a good chance that that was there. Um, let's see. Uh, there is a, there were deluxe editions of A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness from Candlewick. There were a couple of those. I didn't see one. I was going to try to get that. I've, if you guys haven't read The Monster Calls by Patrick Ness, um, that's also really good. Looking forward to that. And I guess that's kind of that's kind of my kind of my list. I did see. The deluxe hardcovers of uh, Odyssey hardcover cycle one. They had a couple of those nice. in the image booth. I've been waiting to read Odyssey until it was a, a big hardcover was available. You so that's there. Uh, you've recommended it to me like ten thousand times. I know, I know, I know. I'm terrible. I'm the worst. Um, You're gonna love it so much. I'm very much looking for that. Uh, I did see a, a few uh, advanced copies of The Wangs versus the World by Jade Chang, which I've heard mm-hmm. very good things about. Yeah, me too. That's coming out in October. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going through my chicken scratch handwriting just because I wrote <laughs> stuff I wanted to talk about. I've got a couple stories to tell of things I heard from birdies that I thought people might be interested But let me get through these titles first. I guess that's pretty uh, – The Hopefuls by Jennifer Close coming from Knopf. There was a big line for that. I know nothing what that's about. Um, Here Comes the Sun by Nicole Dennis-Bain uh, from Norton Livewright um, is a book I just started hearing some stuff about last couple weeks. Uh, they had galleys there. It's coming out in July. It's a debut novel. I'm looking forward to that. Um, the Geek Feminist Revolution that was there. Uh, yeah. Cameron, what's her name? Cameron Hurley. 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 Mm-hmm. She was there signing that. I You had to stand in a big line to get that, so I, I'm afraid I, I have to admit that I didn't do that. Um, let's see. Oh, big, as you might expect, over in the Scholastic booth, there were a couple of huge banners for The Cursed Child. Um, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, the Cursed Child, but not not a thing given away about it. Not a not a card. Of course not. Not a not a whisper. Not not a hint. Just the cover that we've all seen to this point. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's some other things that were there that I missed, but uh, that's it. I, I was hoping to see. I I didn't go to an SNS meeting, so maybe they had them to, to talk about. But the fire next time. Um, this upcoming anthology of people, re- you know, um, writers revisiting the fire next time by James Baldwin. Um, Jasmine Ward. Jasmine Ward. Editing that, I believe. I believe she was uh, yep. in charge yep. of that. Um, but includes includes book, uh, you know, uh, essays by by people we've we've talked about here on the show before. Uh, a couple a couple anecdotes. I got a couple anecdotes for that. These people have to remain nameless, though. Um, <laughs> one is I was talking to a kids book publisher, um, and we were talking about books being banned, 
and and we've heard this before, but this is the first time I've actually had uh, straight from the horse's mouth confirmation that when a book is banned, sales go up. Um, nice. So she was saying, yeah, it's a real phenomenon. Like when a book is banned, we see the sales go up. Like it, it's a real thing. It's not just sort of inferred or anecdotal or, you know, sort of puzzling it out because a book is getting a bunch more publicity that you would expect then that naturally it would sales go up. This is actual confirmation that that's a phenomenon that happens that kids publishers know about. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's the worst. Um, another one that – this isn't really – this isn't – I was talking to some folks at PRH, and apparently there's a kid's version of The Martian by uh, Andy Weir that it's basically a find and replace all the uh, F-bombs with other swears. No. Yeah, for like middle <laughs> yeah. grade readers. Um, I guess some science teachers were wanting to use it in class, and in order to get the money and the approval to, to buy it and have it in class, especially for sixth, 7th, 8th graders, they, they wanted a sanitized version. There aren't too many in The Martian. Um, there are some, though. Uh, and so it's basically just a, a sanitize. I mean, you know, insofar as that's sanitized. So that's something that exists. I had never heard of this uh, happening. And, I, and as far as they knew, they didn't know of it happening for an adult novel to get sort of um, scrubbed a little uh, to be used, especially in a science classroom. I thought that was really interesting. Um, uh, I've heard too that, um, there might, I heard a couple things that there might be another round of Amazon struggles coming, um, no, come on. <laughs> uh, especially around ebook pricing again. So I don't know if that's, if that's going to be, this is, that's more, more secondhand than firsthand. I, I didn't speak to anyone directly in position to know, but I, I spoke to people that, that are in position to maybe have actually spoken to people in the know about another round of tussles about, um, digital, um, discounting. Um, so Great. that's so that's that. Well, All we right. know what we're going to talk about on the show. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I, I, I got a couple other news stories that came out. So, but let me do our last sponsor first. Um, the Killing Forest. Um, I, we'll talk about your your uh, your creative direction of the social media <laughs> campaign we did for this here in just a minute. Um, so here here's what it is. So this is a this it's Sarah Bladell. It's her second English language book. Um, it's the the Killing Forest, and she is the most popular author in Denmark. Like literally, the most popular author. She's won um, the big literary awards there. And doing the math about Danish sales of of her stories, one fifth of all people in Denmark has read a Sarah Bladell book. That that's a huge. I, I don't even know what, what in, in, um, in the U.S. could even one fifth of what? What are we about three twenty five, three hundred twenty five million? Should be looking at sixty million people. I I don't even know. That's like that's like Star Wars numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to see that movie. So unbelievably um, and almost unprecedentedly popular. Like you're talking about Murakami in Japan um, in, in terms of popularity by country. Um, and so it's it's a crime novel. And here's what's going on. Louise Rick is the is the protagonist, um, and she's investigating a case where a 15 year old vanishes. Um, and Louise, is, Louise knows who it is and, in fact, is in a town she used to know about where uh, an ex-lover is, where some coworkers are. And so it's kind of a – it's a – you know, she has to solve this crime and also dive into her past at the same time. So she moves through this small town, very sort of incestuous um, network of connections and affiliations and uh, uh, I guess I guess the word would be uh, – animosities um, of, of truths that were unspoken and then super dangerous secrets. So one of these getting under the, 
the the facade of a you know small bucolic town um, as and one that she knows very well. It's available now from Grand Central Press. Uh, excuse me, Grand Central Publishing. So check that out if you're looking for a psychological thriller and a uh, a, a wily uh, lady detective there as well. Amanda, who does um, our social media campaigns, we have a couple of things that are sponsored and some stuff shows up on Instagram, had in her home, without needing to go out to do some stuff <laughs> at the Killing Forest, skulls, um, creepy tree paintings. Is that, is that what those were? It's a painting of like a dead dead trees in a forest and fog that hangs in my bedroom. Just like a creepy forest painting. And my, my, Did you my look on Etsy was... for creepy forest paintings? Is that what no, you, the search no, terms yeah. were? I think I got it. I don't remember. Where I, I think I got it at World Market. I don't know. I just okay. really like it. No, my skulls I got for Halloween, to be fair, okay. a couple of years ago, but then I just kept them because they're cool. And yeah. I named them Rosa Prince and Guildenstern. It, it is weird because the, the 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 creepy forest fog looks like the cover of the Killing Forest. Like it's I know, a right? it's it's a bunch of de leaved I don't even bear I guess as they were I'm looking for <laughs> bear trees uh, in sort of a, a, a gloaming fog um, that apparently would fit in right at right at home with Amanda's domestic decor. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, it was such an easy campaign. Very easy campaign. She's like, I'm done in like 20 minutes. I don't have to go get anything. <laughs> no, I'm over. Uh, anyway, so thanks so much to The Killing um, the Forest by Sarah Bladell. That's B-L-A-E-D-E-L. Um, and, uh, you know, in the great tradition of Scandinavian crime writers. Go check her out if you haven't heard of her. Or even if you have, check out The Killing Forest. Uh, last thing I was going to talk about is a, a new story that came out of BEA. Apparently, it got folded in to one of the dailies. Did you flip through those dailies? Those big no. broadsheets? Yeah, I always flip through them. I want to see, mostly I want to see the advertising, but also they they show, you know, the schedules for the galley drops and signings by all the publishers. But one thing that got wrapped in here um, is uh, a story about HarperCollins basically um, uh, subsidizing um, independent bookstores, um, launching these campaigns where they're going to help New bookstores get on their feet with some financial support and discounting and, and I think actual dollars, but also um, shepherding them through the process of what it takes to open and maintain a bookstore. Um, the details are scant at this point, but this also, you know, I saw another story that we didn't get to talk about last week. Um, PRH is partnering with a bookstore in Puerto Rico to launch a second location um, for the book for for the bookmark. Um, hmm. In Puerto Rico, and they're giving an, ep, uh, uh, an investment of up to a hundred thousand dollars, north of a hundred thousand dollars. Excuse me. There, um, the PRH is a pilot program there. And to my knowledge, and, and you know a little bit more about independent, books, independent bookstores than I do. You have worked one. You know a lot more about working one. That's for sure. Um, have, have you ever heard of this before? It's strange. There's two of them all of a sudden. No. Um, what do you think? I uh, good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Um, as in any situation where the publishers get involved in the the goings on of bookstores, I get a little worried mm. about like, edit not editorializing because it's it's obviously not an editorial product, but um, oh, them have just having too much influence in the mm. space because they put all the dollars in the space, right? Um, but you know, booksellers are smart folks, and they'll recommend books they want to recommend no matter what they've been paid to put on shelves. So yeah, it says with the PRH thing that the, you know the PRH will make a special effort to get its authors to that bookstore. Yeah. Um, in addition to um, um, financial support as well, I, you know, I think we, over the time we've been doing this show in particular, um, we've we've wondered and speculated and spitballed about what 
publishers could do um, if they wanted to, to make it a little easier for independent bookstores to stay afloat. Um, mm-hmm. And the reasons that publishers might want to do that um, for certain, I mean, overall independent bookstores are about 6% of the North American trade market, which isn't a very big number, but in some categories, uh, <clears throat> literary fiction being um, one of them, they're hugely influential, not just in terms of sales, but in terms of sort of being the first movers, um, being the seeds of a revolution that can get a book going. Um, so that, that those channels remain open um, and vibrant would be in the interest of almost any publisher to do. I think your point is well taken. Um, PRH, since it's you know more than 50% of North American trade market, almost doesn't need to have influence on a bookstore yeah. for it to be good <laughs> for them, right? Um, someone like HarperCollins, which is not as big, you know, might, you know, I, I don't know, might you, nefarious is awful strong to say you're going to carry mm-hmm. more HarperCollins. That, that doesn't quite rise or, I guess, sink to the, le- to the level of nefariousness. Um, but you can see how, you know, if it influenced what's on the shelves, that could be a consequence. It's a little hanky. It's it's a, it's a it could be a consequence, hanky. you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know it's that H- HMH's <laughs> books need to be there versus those extra 8% from HarperCollins. Hard to say, right? Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested at that, that they're doing this. I'd, I'd sure like to have, I'd sure like to hear why, you know, what their rationale for doing it is. Is it, they merely, you know, is it as... Um, benevolently self-interested is just independent bookstores being open or good for them, or do they imagine that having closer relationships with certain independent bookstores or independent bookstores at all will be good for them, um, or some combination thereof? I wonder if it's enough to make a difference for a bookstore. That is the question. You know, um, I guess you know. C- can they give enough support to really change the destiny of a store? Will a store that would have closed um, without the support? Uh, stay open longer. What is you know, or is it just sort of, it's it, what's going to happen is going to happen, and it's just you know the the budget's a little bit different at the beginning. I suppose if this story from about the uh, Harper Collins with new stores, you know, and that's what the Random House one is also. If it's about trying to get people, let making it easier for people to open up new stores, that's interesting to me too because it does seem that the worm has turned in terms of cultural attitudes about independent bookstores. Um, that people want to go there and I like mm-hmm. make, want to go there, not just I, almost for political reasons, I guess, you know, it, the, the conversation has turned from the value dollar value to the other kinds of value of, of, of supporting independent bookstores. And maybe they're thinking if we can get some more of them open now, um, they can stay open. But the, the, the costs of starting one are, are horrendous. I mean, the start of anything yeah. is horrendous. But getting it set up and getting inventory and all those things like that, you can imagine like PRH, for example, could say, you know, you don't have to pay us for your inventory for a year or something like that. So if you don't have to pay for half your inventory for a year, that gives you a lot more runway than whatever the terms are. And again, I don't know now. I'm just I'm just speculating what could happen there. But this is something I never heard about. Um, and it's interesting that there was a story about PRH and HarperCollins trying it in sort of the same 10-day window. So I'm going to be watching that Um um, very closely, and I'm sure, I'm sure those of you out there um, who are interested in opening an independent bookstore someday, because if you don't, mm-hmm. if you're a book nerd like us, if you don't want to write a book, chances are you you want to open a bookstore. Um, you know, that's that's the old dream of uh, book lovers everywhere is to to open one. Um, so we'll see. I'm not sure. Um, Oren Tyker, Tyker, I can not know how you say who's the in head of the ABA said this is great. So it has the the tacit approval of the. Um, the the 
American Booksellers Association, which is the professional association for independent bookstores. So they're on board. They're on board. So we'll see what happens there. Um, any other anecdotes? What else? What else? Anything else strike you from BEA? Not really. I didn't get it, well. It was fun. It was fun to stay. I roomed with Jen, our event mm-hmm. director, and it was nice to see. Like every morning, we'd wake up. We'd wake up, and she'd have like some new, fun, interesting email about an author who was coming to Book Riot Live. But we can't say so anything, right? Fun. I know. I'm not going to say it. No, oh, no, that's, that's, that's I let cruel. her. She or not, she does announcement posts on the site as she gets like paperwork and stuff. But um, but I can tell you, there's like there's really great stuff coming down the pike for book riot I, that yeah. i learned about via sitting in my hotel room yeah. <laughs> watching jen open her email <laughs> yeah it's kind of like oh. a christmas morning we're doing that every morning it's like oh who said yes yeah yeah um book yeah, if you, tickets, you make her so happy she yes. does little like <laughs> shoulder true. wiggles it's very nice <laughs> bookriotlive.com if you if you're interested in coming you can get a v- the special vip packages available through may 31st a discount water bottle first crack at our saturday night um soiree at the strand um we're going to mingle with us and authors, which were, yeah, there's like 25 of those left. Yeah. Um, Go pick those up. Uh, You can do day, day, a day ticket, either Saturday or Sunday or a weekend pass to both days. I think that's our show. Let's go save our voices. I know. Yeah. We we sound, we sound like we sound bad. We sound, (laughs) we sound bad. Um, It's because of karaoke. We had contributor karaoke and I sang Bon Jovi like a dork. Oh, which one? Living Living on a prayer. prayer, Of course. course. Why did I even ask? Uh, well, <laughs> Only a- it's almost June, so we are indeed halfway there um, in, in 2016. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Uh, if you haven't listened to, to Amanda and Jen's Get Booked show, um, they're now weekly. I don't know if you guys knew that, um, where they ask, ask answer reader recommendation requests. You know, you write in looking for something, and uh, they'll get to your show. They're having a good time. They're doing a hell of a job. I'm becoming more and more popular as time goes on. I'm getting a little jealous of you guys over there. i got to watch those download <laughs> numbers. Um, make me feel bad. Uh, that's called Get Booked. You can go to bookriot.com slash listen. You can find it there or just search for Get Booked um, in iTunes. Easy way yeah. to find it. Thanks to our three sponsors, The Killing Forest um, by Sarah Bladell, PRH Audio. Go to tryaudiobooks.com slash running. Uh, and The Half-Life of uh, – Wait, let me make sure I get this right because they they did you know they did the thing. The um, square root of summer. square root of summer. I wanted yeah. half life. I don't know. Why. I did the I, same thing on I, on our podcast for the spot, like the the name for some reason. Yeah, I guess the it's square a, root of summer. I, I see a mathematical symbol and I, I get it. I get the hives. I break out on yeah. hives. The square <laughs> root of summer by Harry Harriet Reuter Hapgood, uh, time tra- time traveling seventeen year old math geek. I don't know what I mean. That's that's as good as eleven word pitch as I can give you. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks so much to all those guys for sponsoring the show. Uh, We'll be back and talking to you next week. All right.